From Innovation Alley at Marquette University, I'm Chuck Swoboda, and this is Innovators on Tap, a show based on the idea that innovation is about leadership. It's a mindset to find a better way, and ultimately, it's about people. These conversations are designed to allow you to open your mind to new ideas and find ways to put those concepts to work. Together, we can solve big problems and maybe even change the world. This season of Innovators on Tap is sponsored by Husco International, a fast-growing, community-oriented company specializing in high-performance hydraulic and electromechanical components. With over 70 years of experience designing and manufacturing these components, Husco takes pride in collaborating with customers to develop innovative solutions. Husco has U.S. locations in Wisconsin and Iowa and global locations in England, Germany, China, and India. A privately owned company that offers more than just a job, a career at Husco is an entrepreneurial experience full of incredible opportunities for growth, creativity, and innovation. Go to husco.com to begin your next adventure and put the lessons you've learned from the podcast to work. Mark Fitzgerald built and sold a business, then went on to help build multiple other companies as a private equity investor before starting his latest venture, the MUKC Fund, which is designed to help students, faculty, and alumni of Marquette University find capital to grow their business. His fund is on the frontier of what could be the future of higher ed philanthropy. Despite Mark's many successes, when he was in college, he described himself as a C student at best. This gave him a unique perspective on the importance of experiential learning and the value of connecting students to opportunities outside the classroom. In our conversation, we discuss how he evaluates investment opportunities, why universities should more actively create a pipeline for ideas that lead to business outcomes, and his philosophy that failure is not the opposite of success, it's part of success. That's what's on tap today, enjoy. Well, Mark, welcome and thanks for joining me today on Innovators on Tap. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. You've spent your career really in private equity and more recently kind of moved into the venture capital mode as well with the MUKC fund. And I think a lot of people in our audience hear the words private equity investor or venture capital, and they actually don't know what they mean. Can you just give us a little snippet of what's it mean to be a private equity investor and how is venture capital different? Sure. My um, involvement in private equity really came about because in 1999, I, I had the opportunity to sell a business that I started in 1986. So I was sitting on a little cash. I had decided to retire, um, but I wanted to continue to be engaged in business creation. So when we talk about my private equity work, um, it really was, in, it was involved in, in working with young people who were starting businesses. Uh, most of my engagement was where I would be the sole investor or at least the largest investor. And I would have more than just a, a financial interest. Uh, I would have a, a leadership or management advisory interest in, in those companies. So for the last 20 years, um, I've probably been involved in in a dozen startups uh, and uh, some have succeeded and some continue to try to succeed and, and others, others in that we don't, I don't like the word failure. 
uh, others decided that that maybe this wasn't the right path, and and you know we went another way. So when we talk about private equity, we really talk about an engagement in an organization, a heavy engagement. When I talk about venture capital, I really talk about you know playing a a role, but playing a smaller role in in each entity. And, and in that, yes, we're providing capital. And yes, to some extent, we're providing some advisory services. It's not as in-depth or as personal as, as what you would see when you're involved in private equity. Now, I've heard you talk in the past, and I think you described yourself as, uh, I think it was, I was a C student at best. <laughs> and then you go on to have this incredible professional success. So I'm curious, why do you think that you had so much success in the business world, but not as much in the classroom. In my first interview, after my five years of college, uh, my first interview, the, the company questioned my grades. And, and, and I, I said, you know, I didn't go to college to get good grades. I went to college to get an education. And in fact, that's what happened. I got a great education. I, I learned how to deal with people. I learned how to work within a community. I learned how to collaborate. It never was about the grades. It was about the experience. And maybe I had parents that understood that. Um, and someone encouraged it. You know, they, 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 wanted, they wanted a well-rounded uh, person to come out of school instead of a straight-A student. So I used that as I, as I got into my own business. I knew for certain I, had, I did not have all the answers. I knew for certain I needed to surround myself with people who were a lot smarter than I was and that I am. And um, my job was to have a vision. And their job was to, um, to jump on board with that vision and, and to, to get the job done. And they did. And they didn't. So uh, if I have a genius, it's, it's I know my limitations. And there are many. So now I want to move on to MUKC because this is just such an interesting concept. So in 2017, you decide to start this venture fund or you come up with the idea to start a venture fund that's affiliated with Marquette. I've heard you talk about it, but maybe instead of me trying to summarize it, you can give us kind of that thumbnail view of what is the fund and what's its purpose and, and kind of what was the motivation behind doing it? Well, let's start with the motivation. When I was building my company, there were so many resources that I needed. Um, accounting, advertising, legal, communications, HR. And I always thought, why couldn't I look back at my college, my university? Why couldn't I look back at the Marquette community and engage the university, which I knew had a wealth of knowledge, to assist me as I was trying to build my business? I would have won the university would have won. It would have created revenue. More importantly, the university would have created real-world learning experiences for students and faculty. So that always stuck in the back of my head. And when I was fortunate enough to sell my business, uh, I, I was introduced to Charles Reese, who is a legend on Marquette's campus. Charles and I really em embarked on this journey of how can we help Marquette become a revenue-generating organization. And it wasn't until I, I met Mike Lovell and um, listening to the way he thinks of Marquette 
And sometimes he refers to Marquette as the corporation. And, and sometimes he talks about the assets of Marquette and the underutilized assets of Marquette. And, you know, we're drinking the same Kool-Aid. I mean, I'm, I'm all in. This is what I believe in. And, and so it was, okay, how can I help? And the decision was, let's create an early stage venture fund. Let's make it market centric. And when we talk about something being market centric, that means it's, it's the market community, which is students, faculty, and alumni. Okay. Let's build this fund um, and let's engage in business creation. And um, we started making investments about uh, two and a half years ago. And to date, we've made five investments. We've placed uh, almost a million and a half dollars. I want Marquette to not only get the windfall of this fund, but also to become a destination for students who want to collaborate, who want to innovate, who want to create, who want to come onto a campus and be part of that ecosystem. I want to see a university where faculty want to come and, and participate in that collaboration, innovation, and creation. Not so much to, to publish but to create. So we thought that this fund might be that catalyst to say, okay, if I come to Marquette, if I achieve excellence, if I build a company, that there, there's, a, there's a group of friends of the university and alumni that will support my endeavor as I grow my business. I love the passion for the idea, and we both share, obviously, this incredible affinity for the Marquette community. It's, it's part of who we are. But if I step back logically and think about, okay, higher ed, notoriously bureaucratic, probably not generally considered entrepreneurial, and I would say some people would even consider higher ed to be the maybe the antithesis of innovation, or at least the antithesis of innovative, because it's an old industry. And you got venture capital, which is kind of a bet on entrepreneurs and their innovative ideas. And so as you started to work with Marquette and gone down this road, are you feeling more or less confident that the university can be the right kind of source of these ideas? Do I see changes starting to take place? Yeah. Is the pipeline built? No. But as Charles Reese will say, Marquette University has pipe. It just has no pipeline. So the pieces are there. We just got to put them together. And I'm starting to see that. Two and a half years ago, I didn't know if there was any business opportunities that have been started on campus. And today, you know, we're working with four or five. And, and, and these, are, these are faculty. These are students. These are grad students. These are recent alumni. So, yeah, it, it's there. Do we have a a lot of work ahead of us. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But I, I, yeah, I think we're going to succeed. So I'm curious, when companies come to pitch their ideas, what are you looking for that gets you excited? Uh, first and foremost, I always look at the people. You can have the greatest technology in the world, and if you don't have the right people, it's, it's not going to go anywhere. So it's always, always people first. And then, then it's, it's, it's the product, it's, it's the idea and the passion behind that product and idea. With, with our fund, because we are Marquette-centric, we, we're only talking to companies that either a founder or a key executive 
you know, has a relationship to, to Marquette University. Mark, I want to follow up on that. So you look for people first, ideas and the passion behind those ideas. Are there red flags that you'll also look for that say, hmm, when I see this, I know this might not work or this might not be for us? Sometimes we've looked at, at great opportunities and the timing isn't right. We've looked at great opportunities and their ability to achieve that vision, that dream is just too far out of their reach. So, you know, I think you have to be practical and, and most importantly, you have to be honest with the people you meet with. And, and if, if the opportunity doesn't make sense, you, you, you've got to let them know that. If you think about the entrepreneurs that you've worked with, both the successful ones and the ones that maybe struggled, is there one trait that kind of is consistent across them that you said, look, if I could, if I could help them develop one thing, this would be the place I'd go almost every time. Honesty is number one. Integrity, common sense, a work ethic. Uh, you know, I, 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 one day I'm going to write a book uh, that, that work is a verb, not a noun. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's critically important that the individual have a passion for what they're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, it's, it's very simple. And, and, you know, my mother beat it into me, but, but honesty, integrity, and common sense. By the way, I think you should absolutely write a book with that title. <laughs> that is a great book title. Having just survived that process over the last two years, that I'm already ready to place a pre-order for your book. So, um, and honestly, it's a message that when I talk to young entrepreneurs, where I always get into it is they always want to talk to me about how did you find work-life balance? And I looked at them and I said, what do you, it doesn't exist. I said, you know, you make a choice as an entrepreneur to prioritize work over a lot of other things in your life. And it doesn't mean you have to do that, but if you want to be successful, there's very few entrepreneurs that have survived that process and haven't had to deprioritize almost everything else to get through it. And it, it's not right or wrong, but it is a choice and you've got to be willing to make it. And I'm shocked. You know, they so often look at me and go, but, but what about the balance? I said, it's balanced, just not in the way you think. Well, and, and, and I always get, they talk about this work-life balance. Isn't work living? When I work, I'm living, I'm enjoying it. I'm engaged. I'm creating, you know, I'm expressing that's living. So I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I don't get, I don't get the balance thing that, that makes work a bad thing. Work is not a bad thing. Yeah. If you find the right thing to do or you go about it the right way, there's an incredible satisfaction and reward and even sometimes pure enjoyment that comes from work. But, uh, but you have to go looking for it. You, you can't assume that it's, uh, that it's different than what you're going to go do when you leave work. In fact, for me, what I found is I didn't leave work very much, so you better learn to enjoy having fun there. <laughs> so it's my understanding that 60% of the carry from the MUKC fund gets donated back to the university. And can you help our listeners understand what is the carry and, and how does this structure really kind of play this role in the future of kind of philanthropy for higher ed? Because I think it's a really unique concept. Well, it was, it was an important in the beginning that, again, we needed to engage Marquette in something that was different. And 
our ways of saying that this fund was going to be different was to say, look, in the general partnership, we wanted Marquette to be part of that uh, to the extent that they are 60% of the general partnership. Now they are, they are a silent partner. They, they're not involved in decisions, but as the 60% partner, they get 20% of the carry. And when we talk about carry, carry is the profit. So in other words, if the fund is profitable, and all expectations are this fund is going to be profitable, Marquette is going to get 60% of the, of the general partners, 20%. So they're going to get 12% of the profit. That's to engage Marquette. That's the, that's the carrot. The carrot to say, build that pipeline. Challenge the students, challenge the faculty, reward excellence, and in return, you will be rewarded. So there's, there's, there's many reasons why Marquette wants this to succeed. You know, number one, there's a financial reason. Number two, there's that building of the pipeline. And number three, creating that reputation in the market as the destination for students that want to create, collaborate, innovate, and faculty that want to do the same. So I often hear from would-be entrepreneurs that one of the challenges is that there's just no money in Milwaukee to fund these ideas. And so I want to ask you, do you think, are we pipeline and idea limited or are we financially limited? Because my sense is, is that if there were enough good ideas, we could find the money. Chuck, what it might be is this, that in Milwaukee or in the Midwest, we're just a little more conservative. You know, maybe we're going to measure twice before we cut once. Uh, maybe on the coast or in other parts of the country, if you wake up in the morning with an idea, it's worth a million dollars. I don't think that plays out here in the Midwest or, or in Wisconsin or in Milwaukee. And I think that's a good thing. If I'm going to invest money, I feel that the money being invested in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin it has a better chance of success. Maybe we don't have as many deals, but I think the deals that we do fund are better deals. So what does success for this fund look like 10 or 20 years from now? Well, that's a great question because fund one is not the goal. Fund 20 is the goal. When you and I are long gone, or at least I'm long gone, uh, that's when, when this, when this investment fund becomes an integral part of the, of the Marquette ecosystem. When we've succeeded in building this community of collaborators, innovators, creators, and from that comes a pipeline of business creation. And on the edge of campus sits this investment fund. And, and, it and I hope at that point, it's a 20 to $30 million fund because we've engaged that many students and faculty to make Marquette their destination for, for creating businesses that the fund um, is that reward of excellence. That's what we're looking for. If you're enjoying this episode and want to learn more about how you can discover the mindset to pursue the impossible, please check out my new book, The Innovator's Spirit, where I explain the beliefs that lead to the behaviors that make innovation possible. It is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Now, let's get back to the show. So I'm gonna shift gears 
And now what I'd like to do is kind of go into a series of questions that get more into your personal mindset and kind of how you view certain aspects of both innovation and entrepreneurship. And so the first question is, do you think your success has come more from avoiding failure or embracing failure? You know, it's it's that term failure. Uh, uh, Thomas Edison was the one who said, um, I've not failed. He said, um, I've just found 10,000 ways uh, that it won't work. And maybe a better way to put that is this. Failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of success. Now, I don't know who said that, but I know my mother beat it into me. Uh, and, and, and that's true. You know, I, I would love to see Marquette University, part of their freshman orientation, have students sit down and view three hours of Dwayne Wade missing baskets. Right? Because then you'd walk away and say, his highlight reel is incredible, yet, yet this man missed more baskets than he made. Is that failure? No, it's part of his success. People are afraid to fail to the point where they're paralyzed to try. And if we can just remove the stigma of failure, I mean, again, go back to my college career. Whoa. I mean, if we were judging success only based on that. So I, I, I just, the, the whole term failure, I think it, it, it has to become part of the narrative of success and not just you failed. You fail when you stop trying. So if you were going to pursue innovation, what do you think is more important? The brutal truth or psychological safety? With, without a doubt, it's the brutal truth because I'm, I'm, I am convinced that not being truthful is cruel. It is absolutely cruel. And if, the, and if there's one thing the university has to accept uh, is, is that this brutal truth is so critically important to the development of people. We, you and I have both seen bad ideas. And the best thing you can do to a person who has come up with a bad idea is be brutally honest that the idea doesn't have merit and they need to move on. And sometimes I think Marquette and, and, and other educational institutions say, oh, you got to let them down slowly or we've got to find a way. That's cruel because you're wasting their time, their energy, and their talent. And, and that's not what you want to do. Because, because again, remove the failure, remove the term. Failure is, is part of success. It's not the opposite of success. So when you're confronted with a problem, are you more likely to think outside the box? build a better box, or set the box on fire? I always told my children, boxes are meant to ship things that are completed. So there is no box. I used to put my turtles in boxes growing up so they couldn't escape. You know, boxes are, are, when it comes to ideas or problems, you know, boxes shouldn't exist, so let's blow them up. 20 years ago, when, when I still held had my business, I thought that young people 
were, were, were so amazing because they had no limitations, no restrictions. They, they just came up with solutions and they could multitask. They could come up with 10 solutions while I was still trying to determine what the first problem was. And, and I think that, again, that's somewhat been taken away because of this, this fear of failing. You know, that box almost becomes their cradle. They can hide in it. So no, no boxes. All right. So when you're evaluating talent, what do you believe is most important to someone's future success? I'll go back to what we said earlier. You know, it's, it's integrity. It's, it's honesty. It's common sense. Um, it's, it's how you deal with others. My, um, I, I used to have an opportunity to uh, lecture at Loyola's MBA school. And I, I, my lecture was on business ethics. And as a 2.4 student, I, I can tell you it's, it's got to be pretty simple. And, and it is simple. It's the golden rule. You treat people the way you want to be treated and the world becomes a much better place. So when I look for talent, that's the, I'm looking for that person. Is your personal decision bias to limit your downside or to maximize your upside? I feel that uh, we're blessed to have an opportunity to occupy these physical forms for a short while and and every breath we take is an opportunity to express so i'm all in you know you you don't try to hide anything you don't try to limit yourself you go for it what's something you know now that you wish you knew when you were starting your career that for the most part people are genuinely good and if you need help help is there all you got to do is ask. You know, I, I, be, being that 2.4 student, you, you, you kind of come out of college questioning and realize that um, you, you can build a community and, and you can make that work. So, yeah, I guess that was probably if I knew as much as I know now, if I knew that back then. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I was a CEO, I was a very young CEO, and I assumed that they made me the CEO because I was supposed to have all the answers. And so I struggled for years. And, and the group I struggled the most with was my board because I never wanted to have the wrong answer or wasn't prepared. And it probably, it took me close to eight years as a CEO before I started to realize that I don't have all the answers and they don't think I have all the answers. And if I would just stop acting like that, they would be happy to help me out. And uh, I had a board member just tell me one time is, why don't you treat us like people that are here for our mutual success and engage us? And so I actually made a change. I changed my board meetings to start with basically what's working, what's not, and what's keeping me up at night. And we had this really honest conversation and it was like I was in a different meeting and, and nothing changed about the board members. It changed about me, but it took me a really long time to recognize that my ability to share that with them and, and to count on them that they were actually there to help would get us somewhere. And it, uh, you know, if I could do one thing over, it would have made the first eight years of being a CEO a lot less painful than they were. I don't really expect anyone to have all the answers. But I do expect them to get the answer and get back to me quickly, right? I'd rather you tell me the truth that you don't have the answer 
and then show me you've got the tenacity to go out and get that answer and get back to me quickly. Is there anything that we should have talked about or that you'd like to talk about here today before we wrap this up? I want to reemphasize what Marquette University needs to continue to develop. And, 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 and Chuck, you're at the forefront of this. And, and, and Innovation Alley is, is part of this. It's, it's building a community. And it's, it's building a community of collaborators, innovators, and creators. There has to be a reason why a person wants to come to Marquette. We've demonstrated, and COVID is, is, is actually pushing this, is that we can learn other ways. We can learn online. We can re learn remotely. So what is the reason for us to come together to learn? And that has to be collaboration. It has to be. And, and your main focus, innovation. It, it, we, we have to be a community of innovators. And then we have to be a community of creators. And from that, from that will be the seeds of new business creation. And from that is where the fund wants to establish itself as an organization, an entity, a financial venture fund that will support that new business creation. I, I think we want to be there to reward that excellence. So, Mark, I want to thank you so much for sharing your insight. The work you're doing and what MUKC is doing to provide that financial piece of this puzzle, I think is just incredible. And I am so excited for people to see what comes of this. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. All company building takes time. But I think as people start to see these companies become successful, or maybe ones that don't, but we create entrepreneurs out of the ones that even don't to do the next one, I think we're going to be able to show them how powerful this idea is. And I just want to thank you so much for your leadership and bringing this idea to Marquette. And uh, I think if we do it well, we'll be, a, we'll be a model for a lot of other people to copy, which is probably a good thing. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you having me. And, you know, it takes a community. We'll make it work. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Mark for joining me on Innovators on Tap and sharing some lessons from his career and the MUKC Fund, including his advice that you can have the greatest technology in the world, but if you don't have the right people, it's not going anywhere. It's always people first. We want to thank all of you who have embraced this show and helped us grow our audience so far, including our sponsor, Husco International. While we are proud of our success, we're just getting started and hope that you will tell your friends about the show. We would also really appreciate it if you would take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Please note that we have additional resources available on our website at innovatorsontap.com, including transcripts, articles, and an option to sign up for the Innovation Alley newsletter. Thanks for joining us on this journey, and let's go change the world.